With the cost of paid ads skyrocketing, now is a better time than ever to hone in on word of mouth marketing for your online brand. Social Snowball is an affiliate marketing platform for Shopify stores that automatically converts all of your customers into affiliates when they purchase and gives them a discount code with their name in it to share right from the thank you page. Social Snowball also makes sending bank-to-bank commission payouts as quick and easy as two clicks, all within your dashboard. Ditch the manual and outdated affiliate softwares and say hello to an innovative solution designed specifically for the modern DTC brand owner. Start your 14-day free trial by heading to socialsnowball.io or just search Social Snowball in the Shopify app store. This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today we have a great guest with us, Kevin Miller, who's the co-founder and CEO at Grow, an agency that helps e-commerce brands turn organic search into a performance marketing channel. Kevin is an expert on organic search for e-commerce brands. So we're really excited to chat with him on how to do SEO for e-commerce. A lot of brands typically go the paid ads route. Not a ton go into organic search, so super excited to chat with Kevin. But before we dive into all the great stuff we have lined up, uh, Kevin, I'll pass the mic over to you. If you want to give a quick little intro about yourself and uh, tell us a little bit more about what Grow does in your own words. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me on. A little bit about myself. I um, I grew up in in Daytona Beach, Florida. I went to college in Washington, D.C. And I was, uh, you know, I was never attracted to going to Wall Street like a lot of my classmates. I was attracted to the story of like how Snapchat grew. And, you know, I had an internship at Living Social, which at the time was a competitor to Groupon. And I just got into sort of like the tech scene, moved out to San Francisco. And I got the chance to work at Google for two years, as well as probably three or four startups that are no longer around. And most recently, I was the director of growth at Open Listings, which is a Y Combinator-backed real estate company. And we got acquired by Opendoor, which is now publicly traded. And then about 18 months ago, I started Grow with my co-founder. And to your question, Jay, Grow is an SEO agency. We want to be the best in the world at search engine optimization. And that's it. And so we've been at it um, tirelessly building a really amazing team of, of SEO nerds, as I like to call it fondly. And, you know, we want to really deliver an amazing experience and help people grow their organic search and rely on that to drive sales and revenue. Awesome. Well, I know we're going to be talking a lot about organic search. I think the first thing to talk about that makes the most sense is, you know, a lot of the brands that we talk to and we've even brought on to the podcast talk about brand, they talk about social, they talk about ads, not very many talk about organic search. So can you kind of share with us why it's important for brands to focus on organic search? Yeah, I think, you know, if you master organic search, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, if you rank number one for collagen powder, like Vital Proteins does, you know, that can be worth several hundred thousand dollars a month in free revenue. And I think, People try to overcomplicate organic search um, and make it something that is really hard to understand. You know, the history of SEO is that, you know, it used to be something that was gained. Like you could buy backlinks and and cheat the system with Google. None of that works anymore. It's it's all like way, way in in the past. And so 
you know, when we think about SEO, we have exceptional content writers on our team that write long form blog posts that answer questions that people have about our D2C brands and the products that they sell. And so it's really as simple as that. We make sure that our company's blog posts come up, number one, number two, number three, for questions that their consumers have. Yeah, and that's awesome. And, you know, I'm definitely big on search. You know, my background's in B2B and organic is like one of those things, you know, content is king. That's the thing that a lot of B2B companies talk about. They're producing blog posts. They have events that they turn into content, podcasts, all of that good stuff. And, you know, they're always actively searching for backlinks and things like that. Talking about, you know, optimizing for B2C, like direct-to-consumer brands, e-commerce brands, what should be like the real focus there for those brands? Like, is it the same kind of strategy as you typically see in B2B, which is like blog posts, backlinks, on-page optimization, or there's some things that are also really just specific to direct-to-consumer e-commerce as well? I think there's a few things that are specific, but generally speaking, if you do those fundamentals that you just talked about well, it can apply to any type of business. There's different tactics for local SEO. Like if you're doing SEO for a pizza shop versus a national DTC brand, there's a lot of differences there. But, you know, we write blog posts that I just mentioned that are long form, you know, call it 1,200 or 1,500 words in length. We also add detailed and unique copy to product pages and collection pages. That's one major differentiator that allows our product pages of our companies to rank higher than their competitors because it's not just saying, oh, here's the product, here's the images, here's the price. And here's whether it's in stock or not. It explains like, when would I use this rain jacket? What's it made out of? Like all the different questions that you could possibly need to know in order to make an informed purchase decision. We help write that and we give that to the customer. And Google, you know, through our experience has really, really loved that and rewarded us for it. Then we have a very unique approach for backlinks. We actually act as a mini PR company. We have journalists that reach out to us and we have hundreds literally of journalists that we reach out to and we say, hey, we represent Theragun, for example, on Google search. You know, we want to contribute to the next article that you're writing. And they'll say, hey, I'm looking for you know, someone who scaled the brand from this amount to this amount, or I'm looking for a CEO to talk about how they have fostered a dynamic remote culture. And then we offer up our brand owners to get them featured in those articles. In exchange for being featured in the articles and taking their time to get a quote, they'll give a do follow backlink to our client's homepage. It's really, really effective. It, it doubles as like, you know, great for SEO value, but also great for brand value. It really gets like that company and that individual's name out there. Yeah, those are some great things that you're doing over there. And talking specifically, you know, we have a lot of people that are listening that are also looking to maybe just get started and do some things on their own and, and things like that before they really expand to an agency. Maybe they just started their business. So for people like that, that are listening, what are some helpful ways that specifically talking about, you know, earning like PR over there that brands listening can can do and go maybe test out and, and see how they perform there as well? I think for the segment of people who are listening that don't have the money for a full SEO agency, I think there's a few things you can do. Number one, press releases cost like 500 bucks or less. If you're just starting a project, it's great to announce it online because legitimate companies do press releases. That's looked favorably upon by Google still to this day. It gets you what's called you know, a series of no-follow backlinks, but it basically puts your site on the map and it lets Google know that you're now in business. And so that's like step one, in my opinion. 
And then it's really important to build out all of your other profiles. So like make sure that you, you know, if you got a new business, create a Facebook account, create a LinkedIn account, create a Twitter account, create a Glassdoor account, you know, look into like built in LA or built in Austin, like you create a Crunchbase profile, make sure that when people Google your brand name, they see positions one through 10 as your brand. So for example, when I started Grow with my co-founder, John, Grow was actually a backpack company. So there were a picture of backpacks and there were a picture of like different links from where this backpack was sold, which is now out of business. And it took us about a year to take over positions one through 10 for our name, but it really pays dividends because people are Googling us and saying, Hey, what's it like to work with this agency? They can now see reviews about us. They can now see, you know, a bunch of different stuff that helps them determine if we're good or not. And they're not typing in SEO agency. They're just typing in our brand name. So that's where I would start for like a newer brand that doesn't have the money. You don't need to spend $10,000 a month on SEO. You can just work very slowly and methodically to master the results for your brand name. Yeah, those are some great tips over there to kind of get started. I I love how you kind of went through a, a checklist item over there. And so talking about, I know one of the things that's on your website, when I was doing a little bit of research before we did this podcast, I went to your website and one of the things that I saw that really stood out to me was talking about, you know, turning organic search into a performance marketing channel. Those are maybe two very different things. So can you talk to us and and kind of share with us like how you kind of see organic search as, as something that's, that is similar to a performance marketing channel Um, or anything that you can kind of like pull back the curtain on over there? Yeah. So, you know, historically, SEO agencies have somewhat taken the tact of saying, hey, this is like, you know, there's not much data you can look at when it comes to SEO. Just trust us, you know, in six months or a year, it'll work. We adamantly reject that. And I say we, I mean, myself, my co-founder, every, you know, leadership team member we have at Grow disagrees with that method of doing SEO. You know, we use Google Search Console, we use Google Analytics, we build custom Google Data Studio dashboards, and we stitch all of that data together to be able to show a clear view of what's happening. How many users came from organic search? How many people transacted? We attribute revenue to it directly. And some we can't get complete keyword data because Google doesn't provide that, but we can get about 25% of accurate keyword data to see like revenue by keyword and, and by URL. You know, I say performance channel, just like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, they itemize out your return on ad spend. We try to do the exact same thing. And we reject any theory that like that can't be measured. You know, we can prove it can be measured. There's a lot of different software programs that we use to show the results of, of the work that we're doing. Yeah. And I want to unpack a a couple of things over there that you just talked about. The first one being, I think it'd be really interesting for the people that are listening as well. What are like maybe like, you know, three to five of the key things that you are tracking and are looking at that maybe brands listening should also be paying attention to? The first and most basic thing is impression increases over time. That's the first thing that you will see if, if you're publishing significant amount of blog posts, you'll see increased impressions you'll notice that you start to rank number 10 or number nine for a keyword that gets a lot of searches. You won't see any clicks from that yet because most people don't click option number nine or 10, but you'll see impressions. Then we measure clicks and then we can measure revenue by URL. So in Google Analytics, we can see isolated by the organic channel, how much revenue is coming in from each page on your website. They actually attribute what that page is worth to us on a monthly basis. So those are three things that are fundamentally you know, important. The next would be, we have a tool called Ahrefs, which is like one of the most popular SEO 
softwares in the world. And we also use SEM Rush, both of which document how many total keywords our websites rank for over time. So we're able to say, hey, when you started your engagement with us, you ranked for a thousand keywords. Now you rank for 10,000. And that's a result of us publishing these blog posts and adding content to your product and collection pages. That's how we're able to isolate and prove that, you know, hey, this uptick in metrics is because of our work. Yeah, those are some really great things to look out for for brands that are listening. And the other thing I wanted to unpack as well um, is, you know, you talked about a, a little bit about the tools and I know you touched about SEM Rush and Hrefs and all that good stuff over there. You know, if you're thinking about making suggestions for tools for some of these brands to be using, um, for anyone that's listening, if there are other tools that you suggest uh, brands to potentially use, whether they're maybe on Shopify or even other platforms or anything like that, that can be really incredibly valuable for them for improving their, their search traffic. I think, you know, Yoast is still a great plugin for WordPress because it just helps you format your page and make sure you have a clear title that's not too long, not too short. It gives you like the basic parameters of how to have an SEO optimized page. Other than that, I think Ahrefs is the best in the world to be able to give you a current state of affairs. It'll show you how many people link to your website. You know, it, buying that software doesn't improve your rankings. It just gives you an awareness of where you're at uh, relative to your competitors. And it helps you understand and isolate and do research to figure out what are they doing that I'm not. And then you need to have someone who can go implement that. But it's great to know where you stand in the world of your competition so you know what you need to do. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. That's a great tip there about looking up what your competition is doing on the search side over there. You know, I know one of the things that you touched about is specifically too with Yoast, you know, outlining those key things, those checklist kind of items that you can do on your page to optimize that page for search. I know you've worked with a lot of brands uh, in the e-commerce space. So I'd be curious to kind of learn as well, when these brands are coming to you, what are some of the common like mistakes that you see or opportunities that are available for brands to potentially capitalize on that, that kind of like low hanging fruit? I think a lot of brands come to us wanting to have a robust blog that makes them a domain expert in their space. But I think they don't all realize what it really takes to compete on Google these days. And what it takes is a very well-versed, competent writer who's an amazing storyteller. But the writing needs to be about 1,200 to 1,500 words in length. And it needs to be incredibly thorough and robust information. You know, the days of writing a 500-word blog post are over. That's not thorough enough to rank number one in the eyes of, of Google for any topic. And so I think people don't realize, you know, just how much goes into it. You know, we also use a software called ClearScope that algorithmically grades how good our blog post is relative to other blog posts on the same topic. It'll say, hey, like Healthline wrote an article that ranks, you know, and that measures an A plus score. Yours is a B minus. And then we're able to identify, oh, that's because Healthline wrote, you know, about these other five subtopics that we missed. And we need to add those in and more in order to make our, our article better. That's one of the things that bit of our secret sauce and 
you know, we find an amazing writer, but we also have like a, a software that it tells us what our chances are of ranking high. It's just a long process. It's arduous. Um, and you have to, you know, be very specific and intentional about, about your writing in order to make it work. Yeah. I know we talked about uh, a lot of the content stuff specifically, you know, how much you need to be writing, looking at other pages to see potentially what topics you might be missing on your own post that you're working on over there. Let's talk a little bit too about, you know, quick wins that are usually available as well, like on page. What are some of those maybe common mistakes that you see that aren't necessarily like on the blog side or the long form content piece that are usually available for a lot of brands to kind of uh, pick up pretty fast? Every website, every page that you have on your site has a title tag to basically tell Google what that web page is about. The homepage is the one that's most powerful. If you have a website that sells collagen protein bars, you know, the title tag of your website should be like brand name dash collagen protein bars. So basically you're telling Google, like for example, Zillow, their title tag is Zillow apartments, homes, and real estate for, you know, to buy and sell. That's what they want to rank for. They want to be synonymous with those major keywords. So that's one piece of very low hanging fruit is just to tell Google what your website's about. Other than that, you know, if you're using Shopify or WordPress, there's a few basic plugins for page speed that just allow your website to load faster on mobile devices. And that really matters now. I don't have anyone off the top of my head that, you know, is like better than the others. I think they all work decently well. But just making sure that your website is loading in, in less than, you know, two seconds is really important. Otherwise, it's going to be very hard to be successful on search because Google doesn't want to show sites that don't load fast. Yeah, those are some great tips that you added in over there. And, you know, I think one thing we haven't covered as well, we've talked a lot about the the strategy over here in what brands should be thinking about, what are some quick wins and things like that. I'd love to, to hear from you as well. I know you've worked with a lot of e-commerce brands. What are some of your favorite brands that are really crushing it on uh, or, organic search that are doing a good job? And if you have any examples of some stuff that they're doing specifically, I'd love if you could share that as well. Yeah, of course. Um, so one of my favorite brands is a brand called Pumpkin, and they sell pet insurance. We compete with Lemonade and Nationwide. They now sell uh, pet insurance. They've done an incredible job of, of answering a myriad of questions around every single dog breed that exists. And so if you're Googling anything about a dog, more often than not, you're going to land on Pumpkin. And they do a really good job of capturing you, earning your trust telling you about your dog or friend's dog, whatever questions you have, and then introducing pet insurance. That would be one. Number two would be Comrade Socks. They rank number two for the term compression socks, which is huge for them. They rank number like 80 when, when they came to us and it's driving a ton of revenue. And I'm proud of them because their whole organization is bought into SEO now. They review every blog post we write with me. They have launched pages for every use case that their product solves. So for example... Compression socks for nurses. You know, like my girlfriend's a nurse. She has a 12-hour shift. It really is helpful to nurses or waiters, waitresses, people who have people in the service industry that are standing for 10, 12 hours at a time, you know, it can be really painful. You know, if you're searching sitting down here in market for that, that resonates really well with you and you're likely to make a purchase. They also launched a page for compression socks for edema, compression socks for pregnancy. That's one of the most unique things I've seen brands do is basically build out what I call like use case pages. So you find a pain point and you launch a landing page addressing that pain point. Yeah, those are some great examples over there. And talking about you know some of the examples 
that you shared for brands that are maybe looking to get some of those quick wins on the content side and thinking about, hey, should I create like a use case page first or should I create more like long form educational content? Obviously, you do need both. Do you have any preference on like what brand should potentially attack first and and look at? Totally depends what your uh, resources are, rather. But I would say start with use case pages because people are closer to making a purchase there. You know, one of the things about SEO, it's interesting is like, you know, objective number one is to get traffic. And that's great. And people are always excited about that. But if the traffic doesn't convert into sales, it means nothing. And so I always try to get people to focus on the things that are actually going to convert into, you know, incremental dollars earned. That gives me the leeway and the budget to go write 100 blog posts for that client. But I need to earn their trust and get sales in the door first for them to really begin to feel confident in my strategy. And so I always recommend those use case pages or other uh, finding ways to increase the rankings for your product pages and collection pages, because then the user is only one click away from spending money. And ultimately, that's all these brand owners care about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in e-commerce, especially when you're doing so much performance-based marketing, that, that totally matches up over there. I want to talk a little bit too about a project that I saw on your website called The Word Counter. I know I was looking at that page and you guys have put together over 200K in traffic for that. Can you kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on stuff that you did specifically to grow that site and maybe even some lessons potentially for brands listening that they can implement as well? Yeah, of course. That's my baby. That's my uh, my favorite project. I started it because I thought, hey, if I'm going to start an SEO agency, you know, I would only personally, if it was me, I'd only want to hire an, an agency owner who had their own website and had their own case study um, and spent their own money to grow a website. And I've always been fascinated about growing a site from zero to you know a million unique visitors a month. And that's what we're on the path to do. So we publish five blog posts per day, which is incredibly aggressive. They're all A-plus rated in all of our softwares, and they're based off of detailed keyword research that I've done to identify what people are searching for. So I'm sure, Jay, you have some friends who are like super into grammar, where they really care about the difference between your versus your, their versus their. You know, that's like a pet peeve for some people. We answer all those questions on this on this uh, website, thewordcounter.com. And there's so many of them because, you know, we're talking about the English language. And so... There's tons of search volume. It's just a great opportunity. There's 1.5 million people a month that search for the term word counter. And right now we rank number three for that term. So once we get number one for that, we'll probably be doing about a million visitors a month. But the way we grew it is we consistently publish blog posts, five blogs per day um, in perpetuity. We've been doing it for 18 months now. And we have a very aggressive um, backlink strategy, which is the same one we use for our clients. We reach out to journalists. You know, I get myself featured in articles probably like one or two a day. And so we probably have 300 different features in the news that I've given quotes for different stories to journalists. And, And in exchange, they give me a backlink. And it's been that was so successful for the word counter. We decided to roll it out as a service at Grow. And that's actually how it came to life. That's great. And talking about the way that you've kind of worked to grow this out and and build this website and put together all of those different pages, what do you think is maybe like the best way to kind of approach not only the organic search for when you have the product over there, but can you even potentially use this, like looking at organic traffic as figuring out like, hey, like we've got this product, maybe I have some other ideas 
maybe other SKUs that I want to introduce or even potentially before launching a product? Like, is that a good strategy and good approach for brands to use? And like, what are some effective ways to kind of figure out um, and potentially use organic search to your advantage for validating some of those product ideas? I think that's a genius idea. I was uh, very close to starting an essential oils brand with one of my friends. And what we were going to do was launch a different genre of content for the, like very similar to those use case pages, like essential oil for, for sleep, essential oil for back pain, and then introduce like that product for sale. If we could rank number one for essential oil for sleep, then I could introduce a sleep, you know, oil that was conducive for sleep and then sell that. I think it's like the best way to do it, especially now people want to make a very considered, thoughtful purchase. They want to look into not just the product, but the brand, where it was made, where the packaging is from, all that type of stuff. So the more editorial you can give about that, the better. But I just always thought that was a really cool way to build up a brand is to constantly uh, introduce new products based off of what's ranking in, in Google search. I haven't really seen it done a ton by other brands. I just think conceptually, it's awesome. And I'd love to see some examples of it because I think it would work very well. Yeah, I'd love to see it too. I think, uh, you know, we brought a lot of brands on here that have had creative launch strategies. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts over there. As we're coming to the end of the podcast, one last question that I have for you is, and you know, we've talked a lot about strategy and things you can do and a lot of great examples as well. One thing we haven't really talked about is Google's actual search algorithm. You know, it's constantly changing. It's definitely not the same as it was even probably a year ago, 10 years ago, even longer than that. So, you know, as Google continues to change what the inputs are for their search algorithm, what do you kind of see as being important in the future of search? And how can brands kind of bulletproof their SEO strategy um, so it doesn't get just tanked by a future Google update? Yeah, great question. You know, don't cheat the system. Don't cut corners. And what I mean by that is don't buy backlinks. Don't go on Fiverr. Don't go on Upwork and hire someone to do your SEO for 200 bucks and promise you uh, a bunch of backlinks. That's not going to work. I think of it very simply. To be, in order to be immune from any Google algorithm update, all you need to do is make sure that you're just putting out information on your website that helps consumers make a decision about whether they want to learn about something or buy a product. Just put blog posts out there and product pages that solve a real problem. As long as that's happening, you are totally immune to any algorithm update because the inherent value of Google is that it helps you know users find relevant information to them that answers their questions. That's it. And so I always tell our brands, like that's why we don't even remotely worry when an algorithm update comes because we're not hiding anything. We're not doing anything that would cause the rug to be pulled out underneath us. Um, you know, there's no reason Google would downrank our blog posts because they're so helpful. They're so thorough um, in answering basic questions. There's just um, no reason they would go anywhere but up. Yeah, that's super helpful to kind of keep in mind as brands are putting together their SEO strategy. Uh, well, Kevin, it's been an awesome podcast over here. I'm sure our listeners have learned a ton. I know I definitely did. Before I let you go, I'll pass the mic over to you one last time. Where can people learn a little bit more about uh, what you're doing at Grow and uh, even connect with you potentially? Yeah, I would love to connect with anyone who's listening and wants to talk more. Um, my personal website is kevinmiller.com. My Twitter is kmillertime421. And my email is kevin at gr0.com. And that's our website, gr0.com. I would love to, to chat with anyone who, who wants to go a little bit deeper. Thank you for having me, Jay. This is a pleasure. 
Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kevin. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. If you want to learn more about Kevin, we'll leave some of those links in our show notes as well. Please go ahead and check it out. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to drop a quick rating and subscribe to the DTC pod. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us, Kevin. Thanks, Jay. It was awesome, man. I really appreciate it. It was a great experience. Thank you. Thank you.